Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I yield my spirit, my soul, and my body unto you. I purpose to be a person of the Word and Spirit. When I hear your voice, I will obey. I'll go. I'll do what you tell me to do. So thank you that you lead me and guide me supernaturally. And I commit, dedicate, and consecrate myself to pray and walk in the Spirit in a supernatural way in this day. Amen. Now, Father, we agree to that. Lord, we covenant with you to do that. And we thank you, Lord, that it will take place and come to pass. And Lord, we thank you that this group of people is moving into the Spirit on a level like we have never done before. We've touched it, the edges of it. But Lord, we're moving into a place in the Spirit that we've never been before. The Spirit of seeing and knowing, the Spirit of seeing and knowing is right upon you even now. Right upon us even now. And it's the opportunity for us to walk in to this brand new door because in that place you're going to find out there's more. So don't be put off by things that surround you. Don't draw back by things that surround you. Purpose in your heart that from this day forward that you're going to walk in the Spirit and be a person of the Spirit and do everything supernaturally. And even as the words of Jesus... He said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. So be a person that purposes to see and hear what the Father is saying and what He's trying to show unto you. And you'll see that you'll walk in a place in the Spirit that you never have before. Now, Lord, we believe this, we'll do this, and we receive this And we thank you for your word. Thank you for revelations of your word tonight, illustrations of your word, and impartations of the Holy Ghost that helps us walk out what we have heard. And we're careful to give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? For the Spirit of God. We purpose to be people of the Word and of the Spirit. You know, the Word alone, thank God for the Word, and the Word does change things, but the Word alone, without empowered by the Spirit, doesn't go very far. If you're going to be very effective, you've got to have the Holy Ghost behind our preaching and behind everything that we do. So we we ended up this morning, remember, talking about and the last point that I brought up that if you pray enough you will enter into what we call the spirit of seeing and knowing. In other words that's simply the gifts of the Holy Ghost the revelation gifts of the spirit in operation and I don't have to go back in this audience and cover that information about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 but it's the revelation gifts of the spirit. 
words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. You know, of course, all the gifts of the Spirit are for every individual. These are supernatural giftings and equippings that are given to us by the Spirit of God once we are born again and press into the things of God and everybody can operate in them. Now, the ministry offices, the fivefold ministry offices, would be more given to certain types of gifts of the Spirit to operate through them because each ministry office is qualified to stand in that office because it is equipped with certain of the gifts of the Spirit. And Brother Hagin has taught us well on those particular subjects. Howard Carter, if you ever got any of his materials along those lines, he taught them the gifts of the Spirit and Holy Ghost. In fact, what Brother Hagin taught, he, he a lot of times was referring to what Brother Howard Carter taught from old-time Pentecost. I think he founded the first Bible school. Isn't that right? Over in England somewhere. But he founded that Bible school and he wrote a book. In fact, I've got that book about the, the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost and operations. So a lot of the things Brother Hagin was teaching us about the gifts of the Spirit, they was coming out of that book. But it was all related to the Bible. So when we talk about the spirit of seeing and knowing, we're talking about following God 100%. Remember there it just came out that Jesus himself said and the reason he was so successful on this earth he said because he only did what he saw his father do and he only said what he heard his father say. If we could accurately copy what Jesus did and hear the Father and see what the Father is trying to show in us, we would get results a whole lot more than us just trying to do something on our own. So we're turning to Romans chapter 8. I opened my Bible, but I don't know if I got to the exact place. Romans chapter 8, and let's read a scripture. Remember, we're talking about just tail ending. We're not going back and cover other information that we were sharing earlier. But in Romans chapter 8 here, in verse number 26, we're going to continue talking about the spirit of seeing and knowing. There was one thing that, you know, we refer to Dad Hagen. We called him Dad Hagen's a term of endearment because we studied under him. Of course, we followed the Lord, not a man. We followed the Lord but we thank God for the man because he followed the Lord. But uh, he taught us about the spirit of seeing and knowing. In fact, this latter ministry, he was constantly talking about the spirit of seeing and knowing. It was going to come more into manifestation than it ever had before. And so you would say, well, what is the spirit of seeing and knowing? It's the revelation gifts of the spirit. It's not something outside the Bible. In fact, the word seeing and knowing, just like that as a phrase, you might not even find it in the Bible, but it coincides with the revelation gifts of the spirit that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And of course, I assume here, and you shouldn't ever assume anything, but I assume everybody here has heard about the gifts of the Spirit uh, that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're talking about the revelation gifts of the Spirit, and the reason I don't want to go back to that is because I've got some things that I want to share that's going to take me some time, and, and we don't have time to go all the way back. I mean, I have the time, but you may not. So Romans chapter 8, verse number 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, also helpeth our infirmities, which simply means our inabilities to produce results. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, helps our infirmities, our inability to produce results. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, it says, 
itself in the King James 1611, but it really should be translated himself. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, it says, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And he said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so we see here that the Spirit helps our infirmities, our inabilities, and results in prayer. Now there's another meaning to this. But you may have never been exposed to that meaning. So I don't want to get into it. You know what I mean? There's another meaning. You know what I mean, Brother Greg, back there? But anyway, but there's another meaning to this. And, and, and I have applied it to my life. Because it's not just talking about prayer. If you get into it and really study it out, it's talking about you. It's talking about me. And getting me straight out. You know, there are certain things you don't know how to pray about about yourself, but the Spirit of God knows everything about you. Remember, I've talked about ceilings and limitations you can have on your life, and you can only go so far, and it seems like you can't get any further. If you'll get in the Spirit and pray, God will show you things, reveal to you things, and He'll show you what to do that'll bring Him limitations and lift Him off your life, and that's without preaching a message on it. But uh, I've had it happen in my life over and over, but I want to talk about how the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, assists us in our praying. So I want to talk about the Spirit of seeing and knowing. How do we press into this? First thing we do, we pray. You know, the reason people don't have spiritual experiences, are you ready for this revelation? It's because you first have to be in the Spirit. <laughs> You've got to be in the Spirit. And the only way, the doorway, the quickest doorway into the Spirit without some kind of special manifestation from God Himself, the quickest doorway in is praying in other tongues. You know, we can pray with our understanding because the Scripture says we know not what to pray for as we ought. Well, we know this also, being faith people, if it's written in the Bible, we don't have to ask if it's God's will. We can pray that Scripture and receive it. But there are other things that we don't know. Like Pastor Edwin was trying to talk me to go into Africa. He even asked me about going to Africa, him and Brother Greg over there. And I said, I don't know if I want to eat bugs and lizards and all. <laughs> I mean, even though I might have, but you know, I don't know if God wants me to go to Africa or not. He wouldn't hurt me to go. I mean, he probably wouldn't care if I just wanted to go and just to, uh, you know, go over there and see all them devils and demons. <laughs> That's why he wants to drag me over there, see all these devils and demons. And they talk about all these manifestations and how they got this devil tent. You know, out in this big crusade, they get all these people, you know, five to 10 to 20,000 people, but they got a tent over here for all the people that's demon possessed. And old Brother Greg was saying what they do is when they go to acting up, cutting up. And I mean, if you've never seen anybody totally demon possessed, I have because I was in prison. I know all about it. Don't run, Isaac. But anyway, it's a. <laughs> It's on that recording you got. But anyway, <laughs> if you've never seen anybody totally demon-possessed and how their body can tort and the sounds they can make and how they can be, it would astonish you. So maybe you ought to go over there with them. My Lord. But he was talking about me. Brother Greg was telling me how they got that tent. And some of them demon-possessed people would try to get out of that tent and them Africans would go over there and grab them, knock them down, and drag them back in there. <laughs> They wouldn't let them go till they got the devil out of them. Has anybody ever seen a total demon-possessed person? I'm not talking about you think they are. I'm talking about in total full manifestation. I have. 
I've cast a lot of them out. And I'm telling you, sometimes they sit in disguise. They can disguise themselves, but I've seen them. I mean, some of the first ones, I I remember I was in a prayer meeting one time in a church, in a church prayer meeting. And the man, the second man over in the prayer line that we were standing in, in a circle praying, he started growling. I mean, you hear a lot of things in a Pentecostal church, Isaac, a lot of things. And things you may ought to want to hear and things you might not want to hear, but you don't hear people growling, you know what I mean? So it don't take long to know that that man right there, something's wrong with him. I've seen them bark like dogs, all kind of stuff. And let me, can I, don't get me on this. I'm trying to talk about this. But there was a book that come out that called Animal Utterances. It's called Animal Utterances. Ladies and gentlemen, that is false, erroneous doctrine. You can go ahead and get under the chair if you want to. I see you. you know, that's false doctrine. God does not demean a human being to animal level. We're made in the image of God, not the image of a rooster. We are. So how do you know? The Holy Ghost told me when this came out. It came out of Toronto Blessing. And all that started out right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking nobody, but it's a book. You ever read that chapter? It's called The Father's Blessing. My Father's Blessing, if you want to get it. By John R. Not. Are not. A-R-N-O-N-T. And it's got a whole chapter devoted to animal utterances. Ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't hold a candle for the man to see by, but that is false doctrine. God does not demean anybody to oink like a pig, crow like a rooster, or moo like a cow. Might as well go ahead and tell the truth. Because we're going to steward this move of God that's coming. Because this stuff's going to arise. And that's why you've got to have somebody up here on the cutting edge that's saying, hey, this stuff ain't right. And we're just going to squish it and we're going to put it down. So if you're going to go to orking like a pig, we're going to throw you in a tub of water and scald you. I can just tell you right now, if you ain't never scalded a hog. Anybody ever scalded a hog? I'll see some folks in here. I know how to scald a hog. Everybody ever scraped the hide off one of them? Woo-wee! Oh, Yeah. Because we ain't going to do that. We ain't going to put up with that. But anyway, I'm trying to talk about this. <laughs> but these things are important too. Brother Hagin said the side journeys are just as important as the main thought. And somebody needed to hear that. That's why I said it. And thank God for it. Because if you don't watch it, you'll see people getting into the extremes of things. Because when, you know, people try to put on things. And there's, you know, it's, you can have be exuberant about God and excited about God. And, you know, you might make a mistake or miss it a little bit, you know, and just get right back on. But when you continually get in error and start oinking and quacking, you know, and all this kind of stuff and crowing like a rooster and roaring like this and all that kind of stuff, we're going to tie you up somewhere. Yes, we are. So the Spirit of God helps us to pray out things that we don't know about. Remember that. And when He helps us to pray out things supernaturally, in fact, if we could get to that place, I'm talking to me, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm talking to me. If we get to the place that we see what the Father is showing us, say what the Father is saying to us, and do that and implement that, we're going to be a success. Can I tell you this story? Can I tell you the flashlight story? Y'all ready to hear the flashlight story? The flashlight story began its journey, and uh, 
6450 Schomburg Road in Columbus, Georgia, 31909 zip code. Ralph Savage, y'all remember Ralph Savage? He wound up committing suicide. He was a very educated man. But anyway, he was in our church that we attended. And, and of course, all of us had a heart to reach people for Christ. You know, we wanted to have a witnessing team. And so Dr. Ralph Savage is a doctor of education. He started the community college there in our area and, and, and all these kind of things. But anyway, he was heading this, heading this up. And he come up with this idea, you know, if we want to win our community, because we was in a community with a lot of homes, a lot of residential homes, and the church was right in the midst. So it was in a good location on a main road. So we decided, or he decided, to, that what we're going to do is we're going down to the store and we're going to buy these flashlights. I'm telling you the flashlight story. Buy these flashlights <coughs> and we're going to go to the community, you know, <coughs> as teams of two, because they had to go out two by two, you know, that's scriptural. Uh, two by two, and we're going to knock on everybody's door and then when they open the door, we're going to hand them the flashlight and tell them that Jesus is the light of the world. And if you really feel anointed, just shine it in their face. You know what I mean? Turn it on. I don't, I don't know. But, but you say, Brother Randy, was that wrong? Well, it was a noble idea. But we were soon to discover it wasn't a God idea. Because most folks thought we were absolute nuts. <laughs> nuts! So this endeavor to win our community to Christ, this will all make sense if you just hang on. This takes a while. You know, Brother Hagin, it took him a while to get there, but we'll get there. Our endeavor to reach the community came out of a natural, educated mind. And we're not against education. And thank God for education. But education wasn't going to reach our community. We didn't win one person, didn't get one people in, as far as I can recall, in the church. So after several weeks of this total absolute failure, we gave it up as a bad job. And it didn't work. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with having witnessing teams and everything. So we went on from there. And of course, it all just piddled away, you know. And so we didn't have any witness teams anymore because our flashlight batteries went dead. <laughs> we had a bunch of flashlights left, you know. But it was a noble idea. It was a good idea, you know, but it wasn't a God idea. I was in Kokomo, Indiana. Anybody ever been to Kokomo? I was looking for Indian Joe in Kokomo. I flew in there. I think Beverly Cook is around that way somewhere. somewhere. But I'd flown in there on a blind, blind, snowstorm here in my airplane. And I, and I remember when I landed on that runway in my aircraft, they had not plowed the runway. I was going in on an instrument approach all the way to minimums. You don't know what that is, bless you. It's where you're flying that thing by instruments, you can't see anything, and you're just praying that the instruments are correct and there's a runway down there. You've got a certain glide slope or angle that you're flying down. You've got a certain airspeed that you're maintaining. And you're also following what's something called a localizer. It's a needle in the aircraft that moves left and right that shows you where the center line of that runway is, even though you can't see it. It's got another line here. It looks like a scope and a rifle, and it goes up and down. And you're supposed to keep that thing centered like you was going to shoot a deer or a rabbit or anything. And if you do, and you do everything right, and nothing's wrong, when you break out of the clouds, there's supposed to be a runway right there. 
And that instrument approach, I was flying an, an ILS, I believe it was runway 9. Y'all remember that. I was flying 90 degrees. When I broke out of the clouds, I was at minimums. I mean, it was, you have to do a missed approach if you can't sit in a certain amount of time, you know, when you come out. So I come out of the clouds, and there's runway, whoop, set it down. So I taxied through this slush and snow, pulled over to the parking place. You call them FBOs. You call them fuel station for cars. We call them FBO, fixed base operators in aircraft terminology. Taxied my aircraft over. There's nobody out to greet me in the snowstorm. <laughs> so I walk in the doors, a bunch of old guys sitting around the table drinking coffee, and they looked at me, and the wind blew me in with the snow, and they said, where did you come from? I said, I come out of the sky. They said, you're the only one that landed here today. You must be crazy. I said, no, I'm a preacher. They said, that figures. That figures. That's it right now. I said, I'm going to preach at a church. I said, a pastor's trying to come in here and get me. He said, well, the gates hadn't been opened because the roads hadn't been plowed. And I said, how can we get out there? He said, we got a tractor. He said, get your bags. He said, I'll, I'll take you out there on a tractor. Everybody needs a good tractor ride, you know. So I get on the tractor, you know, and grab my bags, and I'm standing up on the back of this thing, you know, and the snows are blowing and they're carrying on. But preachers will do anything to preach the gospel, especially if they think there's a chicken leg at the end of that thing. I'll guarantee you, you got them then. So I got over there, and sure enough, the pastor's there trying to figure out how to get in the gate. He's standing out there in a blinding blizzard trying to figure it out, trying to call somebody. And he sees me and he said, where'd you come from? I said, out of there. <laughs> he said, I didn't think you was going to make it. I said, yes. I said, what's this got to do with flashlights? What's this got to do with being led by the Spirit of God? Just hang on. What's this got to do with witnessing teams? Just hang on. But I had to get you to the airport and get you landed first. Then I had to get you over there and got over the fence, hopped, throwed them bags over, you know, because they couldn't get the doggone gate open because it was froze. One of them gates, you know, went automatically on a chain, and all the chain and the gear boxes were froze up on the doggone thing. So I hopped over the thing, got my bags, you know, and put them in the preacher's car. We were driving along there and just talking, you know, making small talk, and he's taking me towards the hotel. He said, Brother Randy, he said, I hate to spring this on you. He said, but, uh, he said, but I've been just had it in my spirit to, to ask you, would you do me a favor while you're here? And I said, well, certainly anything, you know, I could do, you know, within... My power. I said, I can do it. I'll try it. He said, well, we got a witnessing team that goes out from our church. And he said, uh, we haven't been very successful. He said, people are getting discouraged. And he said, the group has dwindled. He said, it started off about 45. And he said, now they're down to about 15. And he said, because it's just not working. He said, in the morning, he said, they're going to have a meeting prior to the service and he said, uh, I've told them, he said, I figured you'd do it for me, that you would come in and you would share with them about how to win people for Jesus. And I thought, oh my God, why did I tell him I'd do it? Why did I tell him? Why did I tell him? Go get the man that carries a cross on his shoulder. You know, what's his name? What, what, what's his name? Arthur, whatever. Get Arthur. Somebody. I, I don't... What do you do? I mean, the way the guys I knew in prison got them saved was give them a right hook, knock them down, get on top of them, and lead them to Christ. Amen? Oh, Dixon, y'all remember him. And I said, I was thinking to myself, what did I do? I, I labored. If you're a minister, you know what I'm talking about. I labored. What am I going to do? I mean, I got sermons. I preach. I mean, I'm in a certain vein, a certain flow. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell somebody. 
to go out and witness. I don't know what to tell people to do. I know I've always just let the Lord lead me. You know, that's all I've ever done. But uh, I went on that night. You know, we got something. I went in the hotel. And so I labored with that all the evening, you know, praying the whole thing, you know. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. Show me what I'm going to do. Lord, show me what to tell these people because I sure don't want to mess this thing up, you know. I don't want to cause this pastor no trouble, you know, because they get out here and they do something goofy because I told them it's going to reflect back on me and I don't want that to happen. So I went to bed that night still not knowing what I'm going to say. Got up the next morning, getting ready, getting dressed, still wondering what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I mean, I mean, you're not supposed to worry because we're faith folks. But I mean, I got anxious. You know what I mean? Because it was getting closer and closer to the time, and I didn't have nothing. Now, I could have went on the Internet and got you one of y'all's Internet sermons. You know what I mean? But it wouldn't have been God's sermon. It wouldn't have been what I needed. So here I am, and I reached to grab the hotel room door to walk out because to meet the pastor. You know, he's going to pick me up in the lobby. When I reached to grab the door, so I guess you've got to be in Kokomo, Indiana. You've got to be in the hotel room, and you've got to reach and grab the doorknob, and you'll get a word from God. I got a word from God. This is what he said. He said, this is what you tell them and tell anybody to be effective as a witnessing team. I said, tell me, Lord, tell me. He said, tell them to do 90% praying, 10% going, and they'll have 100% success. We got it reversed. We do 90% going, 10% praying, and have little to no success. So let me tell you about the pastor's wife. Are you ready for this? Pastor's wife, Assembly of God Church, they decided to put together, this is years ago, some of Dad Hagen's friends, they decided they was going to put together a witnessing team, so they come up with about 50 ladies. And thank God for it. It's a noble thing, you know, to want to win people to Christ. A noble thing. So they had about 50 people, most of them ladies, that were going to have this witnessing team. And so they started out on this adventure. Everybody was real excited. But after about two months of doing this witnessing thing, it wasn't working for them. They wouldn't win anybody to Christ. And if they did, you know, they didn't know if it lasted or not. They thought somebody might have just prayed the prayer with them just to get them to leave them alone. You know, that's what they kind of deduced from it. And, uh, of course, they'd be the only one to judge that, not me. So what they decided to do is, is we better rethink what we're doing. Because what we're doing is not working. Still talking about the spirit of seeing and knowing. We're getting there. So the pastor's wife, and her, of course her husband, pastored the church, and she was kind of heading up this witnessing team, come up with this novel idea of why don't we pray and ask God what to do. Can you imagine that? Pray and ask God, why don't we just do it on our own? Why do we need God for? Because we need the spirit of seeing and knowing. God knows everybody that's open, everybody that's not open to the gospel so they got in there and they got to praying and I mean they went after it these ladies I mean they started praying they're seeking God they're glorifying God saying God show us what to do we hadn't been effective God show us what to do God show us what to do the spirit of God he knows exactly what needs to be done while the, they're praying the pastor's wife has a vision 
in this vision, she sees a street sign. And on the street sign, it says Third Street and another street name. The name's coming to me. You know, I got a perfect memory. Because <laughs> I say I do. It said Third Street and some other name, and it was on the corner. And she's seen this house, and in this house, it was right over from the corner. She's seen her and another lady in the church going to this corner, getting out of their car, and walking up to this house. But it was a house that had been converted to four different apartments. It was two stories. And so there was an apartment upstairs, and she saw her and that lady that was with her get on the steps and start walking up, and the vision ended. Well, she thought, well, I don't know where that street is. I don't even know there's such a street in my city. So she left the basement where they were having a prayer meeting and went up to her husband's office and said, Honey, he said, do you know where 3rd Street and so-and-so is? He said, well, I know where 3rd Street is. He said, but I've never heard of that road. He said, I got a map. You know when they used to have the big city maps? He said, I got that on the wall. Let's look it up. So he looked it up and he said, there it is right there. He said, there's 3rd Street and there's the name of that other road right there. He said, that's it. She said, how can I get there from here, honey? And he told her, well, go down here and go yonder. You don't turn here and go there and jump this ditch. Go around that corner. You know how we do, you know, and, and we get there eventually. So her and the lady she saw in the vision, the lady she saw in the vision, God picked the lady. Even God picked the lady to go win a winner. Because she saw she saw in the vision. It wasn't something, something the pastor's wife called up. God showed her. So they got in the car and drove down around the directions. And when they got to 3rd Street and so-and-so, the pastor's wife that had the vision said, That's it! That's it! That's what I saw right there! There it is! And there's the house right down the corner there! So she turned that car in, went down there, pulled up in the drive, and she said to the lady with her, so where do we go? She said, I don't know. All I know is we go up these steps. So she went out there and they got on the steps, started walking up. And the pastor's wife said, I didn't see it, but somehow or another, I believe it's on this side. We've got to go to the right. God's always on the right side, you know. <laughs> so they went to the right, stood to the left, and they knocked on the door of this house, not knowing what to expect, never been there in their life. Didn't even know where the place was. Didn't even know where the address was. Because God didn't give them the address. He just showed them the house in the street corner where it was at. Knocked on the door. And a feeble voice inside said, come in. So the pastor's wife opened the door. Not knowing what to expect to see. But over there in the corner was a frail little lady that had been sick for three years. And she is laying on that bed. And when this pastor's wife walked in, this little lady on that bed started shouting, You know how ladies shout better than I do. But anyway, she started shouting. So they ran over there to her and said, What is it, ma'am? What is it, ma'am? She said, Three days ago, the lady in the bed said, Three days ago, 
I was laying here about to die because I had nobody to take care of me, nobody to watch after me, nobody to see about me. She said, I knew I was going to die. And she said, I had a vision and I saw your face and I saw you walking through my door and I saw you laying hands on me and me being healed. Lay your hands on me now. And she laid her hands on that little old frail lady and that lady jumped out of that bed and she throwed that moo-moo every which way but loose. Brother, I'm telling you, she danced, she shouted, she ran, she jumped. But what if they had not prayed? I'm not talking about something foreign to our day. It belongs to us in this day just like it belonged to them in that day. It's called the spirit of seeing and knowing. You've got to put prayer first. Put your feet to your prayer second. But a lot of people are putting feet out first and then bringing prayer behind. Put prayer first and let your feet follow the prayers. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. Only say what I hear my Father say. There is a supernatural realm of the Spirit that exists for all of us. And this is what Dan Hagen tried to communicate. He said, this is what's going to be lost to this generation. And, you know, we have the dancing, the running and jumping, and we've had it in our meetings from time to time. But that's not what he was just talking about. That's part of it, but that's not the end results of it. The end results is being led in and by and from God Himself. Being led by the Spirit of God. And I can just tell right now already, just from telling that one true story, you said, just let me go. Just let me go. I'm, I'm going to pray. If you pray, God's going to begin to reveal things to you. God's going to begin to show things. And He's going to begin to use you supernaturally. Can God use you to pray out divine protection about things that are going to happen and you can stop them in prayer? Can you actually save somebody's life that's going to die the next day? Can you do that? Yes, you can. Can I tell you another story? I can can I tell you about Sister Goodwin? Sister Goodwin, her pastor, her husband was Pastor Goodwin. They were good friends with, with uh, Dad Hagen. And, and most of you would remember this story that's been around. But during the night, they were lying there in the bed asleep. Pastor Goodwin and Mrs. Goodwin, husband and wife, you know, that's a good thing too. <laughs> yeah. Well, in our day, you have to kind of Make these things plain. They used to call it, you know, we used to preach in the Church of God and Assembly of God. They'd say, make it plain, preacher. Make it plain. Excuse me. Make it plain, preacher. <laughs> make it plain. Remember, if you don't amen me, I'll amen my doggone self. I'll just do it. So Sister Goodwin was lying in bed one night. Her husband, Pastor Goodwin, very spiritual people. They knew about the spirit of sin and knowing in fact, they've got some uh, books out. How, how many books is that, Chris? Three or four? I thought if you're in AFI, you had access to those books. But it's Dad Goodwin wrote books. And I think the first one is what's called Entering the Spiritual House. But anyway, Brother Hagen said this about this couple. Of course, those of you that's been around for years, you know what he said. He said they were some of the most spiritual people he had ever met in his life and of course if you read their teachings and all they seem to be simple but they were profound 
They put it on a level you could understand it. It'd be a blessing to you. Pastors especially, anybody, you know. Sister Gooden was laying in the bed. Brother Gooden, Pastor Gooden is laying beside her. And, and all of a sudden, he's startled, awakened, because she's groaning. His wife is groaning. And so her groaning wakes him up. And so he thought she was sick or something. And he, he woke up and said, honey, what is it? What is it? What's wrong? He said, I don't know. She called him dad, you know. That's what she called him. Nickname, you know, was her husband. She called him dad because the kids did and all that. But anyway, called him dad. She said, dad, I don't know. She said, but some of our church members' life is in danger. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. But some of our church members' lives in danger. I'm still talking about the spirit of sin and knowing. And these things will happen on a continual. I'm not saying they'll happen every day, necessarily every week or every month. But you'll have experiences like this as you get in the spirit and begin to pray. And these belong to us. They belong to us. It's the supernatural. God knows what's going to happen. He said, some of our church members are dangerous. So anyway, he said, well, let me help you pray. And he began to pray and kind of help her ease off some. They called it an old-time Pentecost. He took part of the burden. That's what they used to call it. Now they almost kill you for saying that, but that's the way it used to be. There was burdens in prayer, you know, about that. And so they began to pray. And then, of course, he drifted off to sleep because he was tired, you know. And, uh, and then he was awakened again because she was groaning again, travail. She said, son, honey, I, can't, I just can't get rid of it. I, I just can't get rid of it. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, let's get up then. He said, because I just keep falling asleep. And he said, let's go in yonder and kneel down and pray. So they got up and went in another room and knelt down and began to pray. As they began to pray, they prayed and travailed in the Spirit, the Spirit of God helping them make intercession, and they didn't know who they was praying about. They had some church members that was out on the road. They thought it might be some of them coming back. All that they knew, based on what she had said, was one of their church members' life is in danger. I'm talking about the Spirit of seeing and knowing. God knows everything. Isn't that right? And so they prayed for a good, good while. And then finally, over about... Uh, Four o'clock in the morning, after praying all that time, waking up about midnight or so, praying to four o'clock in the morning, finally, Brother Goodwin said to her, said, Honey, he said, we prayed about this. He said, I believe we got it. He said, let's agree together that whoever it is in our church that's facing this danger and facing death tomorrow, either God would speak to them or give them a dream. And so at 4 o'clock in the morning, they agreed together that that would happen, and she eased off, he eased off, and got in bed. Well, the next day, not too far up in the morning, they got a phone call. And this is what it was about. One of their church members worked on the whole and all that kind of stuff, you know, and pipe out and whatever they do. And he got to uh, work that morning, and the fellow that worked on the top of the derrick up there, where they tied the cables off and all this stuff to pull them uh, uh, pipes or casings out and put them back down and all that stuff that they do, you know, uh, this uh, fellow that worked up there, normally he didn't come to work that day. So the boss of the crew looked at this fellow, this church fellow that uh, had went to mom and dad Goodwin's church, the ones that had been praying that night about their church member. He was their church member. He uh, said to this man, the boss did, he said, why don't you go up there and work that? He said, you know who do that job just as good as anybody out here, you know. He said, okay, I will. So he went over there 
and grabbed this ladder you had to climb, and he got up about four or five rungs on that ladder. This Pentecostal man did, you know, going up that ladder. And he stopped, and he backed back down, and he stood on the ground. And the boss man said, what is it? And this Pentecostal man looked at him and said, I'm not going up there. He said, why ain't you going up there? He said, because I had a dream about 4 o'clock this morning when they had prayed and agreed, the pastors. And in this dream, I dreamed that that man, that specific man, did not show up to do his job. I dreamed that you told me to go up to the top of that derrick and he said uh, to do his job. And he said, I went up there on this thing and he said, I hadn't been up there 10 minutes and that cable broke and cut my head off. He said, I'm not going up there. So everybody on the crew heard what he said. So there was a good Baptist fellow, and thank God for the good Baptists, the, and the Pentecostal, and the Methodists, and the Presbyterians. Thank God for everybody. But if you don't believe in the fullness of some of these things, sometimes it can save your life knowing these things. So this Baptist fellow laughed at him. said, I am not superstitious. Y'all remember this? He said, I'm not superstitious. He said, I'll go up there and do this. So that Baptist fellow went running up there, you know, because he knew how to do that job. They started everything of working in the cables of pulling. He hadn't been up there 10 minutes, 10 minutes. That cable snapped, cut clean, cut off that Baptist man's head. The Pentecostal guy was leaning over picking up something and that man's head fell all the way down to the ground and hit that Pentecostal man in the back. The Baptist man died. Now, God didn't kill him, Isaac, I want you to know. God was trying to warn somebody that this was going to happen. God didn't cut the cable. God knew that cable was going to break. He knew the law of averages on that cable. It was already frayed and nobody had noticed it. God knew what was going to happen. He didn't want it to happen. He didn't want the Baptist man to be up there. But if you don't know these things and don't walk in the Spirit, you won't take advantage of these things. So what do we want to do? We want to be people that have the spirit of seeing and knowing operating in our life. Isn't that right? The spirit of seeing and knowing because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will help us in every area of our lives when we do. Let me tell you this story. Do you remember Wessex Place in Charlotte? Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Phil, live in that house. You know where that house is. I was in, at Wessex Place. I, the, the exact address number is coming to me because I got a perfect memory. <laughs> the Bible says you can have what you say in Mark eleven twenty three. I was in that place, and I was praying with uh, uh, Pastor Philip Jackson, Reverend Cheryl Jackson. And Senator Bayhackle's daughter, you remember her? Senator Bayhackle's daughter, they were friends. They had a big palatial estate, 100-acre thing, and all, all kind of stuff. But anyway, she was in there. And we were praying about a move of God. We were praying about God moving and pouring out His Spirit, you know, in the churches across the United States and around the world. And that people would be saved, people would be healed, you know, and, and come to know the Lord in a greater way. And while we're kneeling down there praying, suddenly 
I'm in the Spirit. You know what I mean? In the Spirit. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and I'm praying about a move of God, but I'm in the Spirit. So suddenly I saw planes running into buildings. I saw buildings collapsing, pandemonium taking place, and people running everywhere. This is in January of 2001. Everybody remember that year? Or 20,000, what was it? 11? What was it? 2001, was that it? Yeah, September 11th, right? But it was January of that year when that happened. Well, I saw that, and when I saw that, I wasn't trying to see anything. We're praying about things. I wasn't trying, I'm talking about the spirit of seeing and knowing. And what I mean by seeing it, it just come up in my spirit. You know, I didn't have my eyes open or nothing. And it come up. And the Lord said to me, He said, Declare to these people what you see and pray. And I said, Lord, they'll think I'm a nut. I said, we're praying about revival. And I said, we see airplanes running into buildings and the buildings collapsing and pandemonium everywhere and people running everywhere. I said, Lord, they'll think I'm a nut. So I... I lost it, you know, and I got out of the spirit. And I got to praying again, and it came back stronger this time. And I see it, and I see it in more detail, like a panoramic view. I saw it. He said, declare thou to this people what you see and pray. Well, I didn't understand it all. And I said, well, Lord, I tried to talk him out of it. But I, they'll think I'm a nut. They'll think I'm a nut. So I got out of the spirit again. Begin to pray again, and it, then it came back stronger than ever. He said, declare real strong to this people what you see. So I didn't know how to do it. How do you break up a prayer meeting when you're praying about revival? So I just spoke out like this. I said, now hear this. I'm still kneeling on my knees. And in this, they had like uh, windows with a lot of windows. And when you looked out, there was a pool. Remember the pool that was out there? It was in that living room area, den or whatever you call it. And I was kneeling in an armchair, and I could see out there. Because I had my eyes open. I said, now hear this. Because I opened my eyes when I started talking. Now hear this and everybody got quiet. I said, I see airplanes running into buildings. And I said, I see them collapsing. And I said, I see pandemonium everywhere. And I said, God said pray. Well, you'd have to know her to understand it. Some ones are here to know her. So, Pastor Cheryl... I called her Mom Jackson till she about killed me, you know. <laughs> pastor Cheryl, Mom Jackson was there, the pastor's wife. And she stood up. And, and I stood up because I knew it was dangerous to be down when she's up. <laughs> you had to know her. She said, my God, Randy, you have lost your mind. We're praying about revival in our church. We're not praying about planes running into buildings. You've got planes on your mind. That's all you can think about is flying a plane. Because <laughs> I'm a pilot and I had a plane. I said, I apologize. I said, but it has nothing to do with that. I said, I'm seeing things and I don't understand it. So it broke up the prayer meeting. But they took it down. Beverly Bayhackle was her name. The senator taught her. She was taking notes while all this was going on. And so we sat there and discussed this thing. And they finally just figured out between Pastor Jackson and Mrs. Cheryl Jackson, they just figured out that I was crazy. 
I had lost my mind. I was too exuberant that I had went too far, you know. And so, we just put it on the shelf, you know, and I kind of forgot about it. And I just thought, well, maybe, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Maybe I did miss it because I'm human just like anybody else. I can miss it. But guess what? I don't know if Pastor Edwin had succeeded from the union then or not. Had you succeeded from the union in that year? Yeah, probably so. See, in other words, he used to be the director for Kenneth Hagin Ministries over, uh, uh, what do you call it, in Florida. Southeast region. Yeah. But anyway, for the ministerial organization. And then they split it up. Remember that? And they split it up, and so he went one way, and he didn't know a good thing when he saw it. So anyway, he wound up giving Florida, the whole Florida, because there's a lot of preachers down there. And so he was the head of that whole area in which he had his hands full. But anyway, we was back on September the 11th of that year. You know where we were at? We were over here at what used to be the Clarion Hotel right in this very city. Was you there at that place? We were sitting eating breakfast in the morning. Was you there, Pastor Sonny? You remember that? Was anybody else there at that meeting? RMAI thing, ministerial thing? We were sitting there eating breakfast that morning and one of the servers in a, in a private room, kind of be like this, but they had tables set up. And they were serving us breakfast preachers, you know. And uh, the server came in. He said, do y'all preachers know what's going on? We said, no. He said, we're under attack. He said, what? You know, because first of all, they thought we was being attacked. And so he said, well, he's got a TV. I can roll it in here and plug it up. Because I had a candle in there. So he rolled, he rolled it up, plugged it up, plugged it up. And first, first, he already ran into a building. And while we were watching, the next plane ran into the other building. And then we saw it collapse. And then the stuff come up about the Pentagon. And then I think the plane, did it go down in Pennsylvania? The plane went down in Pennsylvania. And I said, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. That was it right there. That was it. Well, by this time, Pastor Phil and Pastor Cheryl, they had succeeded from the union too, you know. And I think it was Pastor Larry Moss, you know, it was over then. But my wife can tell you, I got back home and the next morning, guess who called me at 5 a.m. in the morning? Mrs. Cheryl Jackson that said that I was crazy and I was out of my mind. And I said, hello. You know, that's where we had all these landlines, you know, phones. And I said, hello. She said, wake up. God's got business for us to do. She said, look what we prayed out in January. <laughs> she took full ownership of it right then. It was hers. She knew it was God. And I'll tell you this, if we had prayed like we should, I believe it could have been changed. I believe it could because God said pray. So they wouldn't but a few of us. But it doesn't take many when you're in the Spirit. Pastor Edwin was admonishing me about that today, encouraging me to be in the Spirit. Remember, we were talking about that. About you being the Spirit. These are not games. You just don't do things in the natural. But it's the Holy Ghost that anoints you. But the Holy Ghost had anointed us and had equipped us in order to pray about that or He would not have shown it to me. He would not have. Isn't that right? And I've had experiences. I mean, you'll think I'm crazy. Can I go ahead and tell you how crazy I am? 
Can I tell you? I mean, just little bitty simple things. The spirit of seeing and knowing. My wife is an excellent cook. See my physique? <laughs> Her mama was an excellent cook, and like some of you here are. And, and, uh, but sometimes, three days ahead of time, I'll know exactly what she's going to cook and what we're going to eat. I say, brother, who cares about butter, beans, and collards? No. It's the Lord keeping me in tune to know. In my spirit, I know about my son. I know what's going on with him constantly. There's a connection in the spirit. And you can have it, if mamas and dads, you know, it's a spiritual thing. There's no way you can explain it naturally. Now, Brother Tommy, you might know what I'm talking about. But I can tell when my son, like when he was in this typewriting for 14 days, the most challenging thing, I walked into my wife here the other day. I said, honey, grab my hand. I said, let's pray. Because I knew Randall was in one of the most challenging situations he's going to be in. They set them doggone aircraft on fire, try to turn them upside down, and they expect you to fly that thing out of there, which he can, and he did. He passed with an excellent rating in that. But all the time that I knew that he was going through it, I sensed the pressure he was under. It's a spiritual thing, not crazy, not crazy. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, God, you can walk with God to such an extent that you see and know things supernaturally. It doesn't mean you're always going to have a vision or anything. I, I, I mean, just little bitty things, you know. God will tell, He talks to me all the time. You know what I'm talking about? What do I mean by talking to you? I'm all here audible voices. But in my spirit, He'll tell me things. Go here, do this, do that. This is the time to do this. Because of what? The spirit of seeing and knowing. And we can become so proficient at this that we can actually do like Jesus did and say, I only do what I see my father do and I only say what I hear my father say. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our finest hour. And I believe this is the ultimate key to success for all of us in ministry and the Christian walk. God is calling us to a place of prayer. Now, I could tell you story after story after story after story. I couldn't be here all night. Brother Hagin could, but I could be here a while telling stories about this. Can I tell one more? Yes. Just one. And that but even the presidential election. When the presidential election come up, I was in a prayer meeting. And first of all, I saw darkness encompassing the presidential office when George, President George Walker Bush was in his presidential office. I saw it. In fact, I was at Rama in a prayer meeting at Rama, not attending the Bible school, but I mean I was attending a prayer meeting there. Reverend Lynette Hagin was leading it, and I saw darkness encompassing it. In fact, I went to uh, Pastor and Mrs. Hagin and showed, said some things to them because the Lord showed me some things about them too to share with them during that time. But I saw that the president office was being encompassed and I knew it was an evil spirit trying to stop President George Walker Bush, but I also knew he was going to try to influence that office. And so I realized that President George Walker Bush 
was not going to accomplish what the Lord put him in that place to do, and God put him in that office regardless. Just like God put President Trump there. Thank you for getting excited about it. Yes. In, in the primary, my wife and I went to the poll and the primary, not in the major election, but in the primary, we voted for President Donald Trump because the Holy Ghost told me he's going to be the next president of the United States. I told my son, he's going to be the next president. But we run into Marco Rubio at the airport down there in Oklahoma City. My son and I were flying in there, and here come Rubio in the jet. And he came up and shook my son's hand, and he got enamored. <laughs> I'm not moved. I'm not knocking Mr. Rubio, you know. But I said, son, he ain't going to be the doggone president. He ain't. And, of course, Ted Cruz, we're not knocking him. But I'll tell you what the Lord showed me about Ted Cruz. If you're ready for this. Are you ready? He said, if he gets elected to president, he's too much of a politician and nothing's going to change in this country. <laughs> Thank you. That's what he told me. He said, don't vote for him. And I didn't tell anybody. You know, you noticed, you know, I ain't said nothing until it was after it was over. My wife knows it, you know, because I told her. Because I've missed it before and I made sure I ain't going to miss it again. You know what I mean? Be very wise. But anyway, we, we voted for him. And then, of course, he was put in there as, a, a, you know, he won the, what they call it, the primary. And then everybody started voting for him. And then on election night, y'all remember election night? We were sitting there just like you were. And we were praying, oh, God, don't let her get in here. Oh, God. Lord, if you ever had mercy on us before. Oh, God, if you could remember your child. Oh, God, and remember that we're here. Oh, Lord, oh, God, please remember that we are your children. God, I repent of all the sins of the United States of America. I plead the blood of Jesus over everybody. My God, forgive us, but please don't let her. Lord, she almost fell dead in that band. It would be a good time. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh. He knows what you're thinking. Y'all remember when she tried to get in that band? She tripped and slipped. And the, she, what is that? Security guards had to get her or whatever it is. Secret service had to grab her. And I said, Lord, this would be a good time. Oh, oh, oh. Brother Randy, your heart ain't right. Uh, uh, my heart was right. My head was wrong. You know what I said? right. Brother Hagin said you can be right in your heart and wrong in your head. So my heart was right. I wanted her not to be president of the United States regardless of how it had to happen. So we're sitting there just probably like everybody else was. And watching these things come in, and I tell you, it looked rough, didn't it? I mean, the returns and the, the polling and all that stuff, it looked rough. Oh, God. Oh, God. And while I'm sitting there, I, know, I think it's about 9 o'clock, 9.30, something before 10. And I'm normally in the bed, you know. I, I'm going to bed. I put the chickens to bed. Before, I usually go to before they do. And I wake up in the morning and set the rooster on the post so he can wake you up. As a general rule. But my wife is not like that. She's opposite, you know. So we were sitting there, and she's sitting there with me. You know, we're both, you know, kind of anxious. We wouldn't in fear, was we? 
<laughs> but we, we was anxiously, anxiously headed towards fear. And we were fighting it all and all. But we hadn't gotten better yet. You know, we knew better and better than that. Because we're faithful. God's going to change us. God's going to come through somehow. But it looked rough. Do you remember that? It looked rough. You remember how y'all was sweating? You remember that? Oh my God, y'all sweated? Don't lie to me. You know you did. But this is how the spirit of sin and knowing works. We were sitting there. About 9 to 9.30, exactly the time is coming to me. I got a perfect memory. And I looked at my wife. The Spirit of God said, get up and go to bed. I got this. I said, do what? I said, Lord, I got to sweat this thing through. My God, somebody. <laughs> ah, you know what I mean? Sweat it through. My God, we got to, whoo. Somebody's got to stand for this. He said, get up and go to bed. He said, I got this. So I looked at my wife. I said, honey, I said, I'm going to bed. She said, shock me. She said, I am too. <laughs> so we went and we crawled into bed. And the next morning, I don't know, two or three o'clock, I woke up. And I'd like to say I was in faith when I woke up. <laughs> and I didn't want to look. <laughs> But I hit my phone. You know how you got them things, apps, and you can see what happened. And it said, uh, President Donald John Trump. Glory, I said, honey, he got it. Oh, God, he got it. He got it. But I knew the Spirit of God. Even though my head couldn't grab it, the Spirit of God knew it. And that's the spirit of seeing and knowing. And he became President of the United States. Let me close by telling you this. His name is John. And I'll not go too far. Donald John Trump. There's a significance as to why he's there. Said, Brother Randy, hadn't you heard how he cusses and talks and all this kind of stuff, and he hitting a politician and all that stuff. God needed a bull in the china shop up there to break that thing up. I don't talk like he talks. I don't walk like he walks or anything like that. I don't live on that level. But whoever God wants to clean that mess out, somebody needed to be up there to do it. Donald John Trump was a reprieve for the Christians in this nation to get it right. Because had and if the Democratic Party gets in, they're going to do their best to take away your privileges as a Christian of the United States of America. Our dear friend Craig Field, right now up in the Parliament of Canada, he lives in Canada, up in Mississauga, right outside of Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, they got in their parliament right now laws that they're trying to pass that will make it illegal for them to read certain scriptures out of the Bible. And if they do read them, then they can be arrested on the spot. This is in Canada. And they're trying to bring it here to the United States. And that's what they're trying to do in this area right here. But ladies and gentlemen, God put him there to give us a reprieve and we need to take advantage of it. Because believe it or not, you prayed him in there. 
I mean, you did. Whether you knew, your, knew it or not, you was praying in the Spirit, and you prayed Him in there. And I prayed Him in there. So what is our goal when we leave this meeting? Our goal is to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and practice the Spirit of seeing and knowing in our life. Walk in the supernatural power and the anointing of God. Begin to pray. Begin to seek God on a different level. I'm not saying that you're not now. But these stories I tell, and again, I've got many others that I could tell you about how God spoke in a supernatural way through the spirit of seeing and knowing, but it belongs to all of us. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the power and the anointing of God. And Father, we do realize that we live in a time that we live in a season that we need to take advantage of this time that we live in, even though there's a lot of chaos and confusion going on in the political arena. Father, I know that you are handling the situation in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that the church will arise in this hour and begin to walk in the spirit of seeing and knowing on a level like we never have before. Now, what you hear tonight, and you need healing in your physical body, raise your hand right there where you're at. Need healing? Raise your hand. Healing in your body. Anybody else? I see hands going up here, hands over there, hands over there, hands over here. Glory to God, hands back there. Thank God for it. This is what we want you to do. Everybody just stand to your feet. <clears throat> and if you raise your hand for healing, if you can, just come out to the middle aisle. If not, you, if you can, come out that way. It would help us. If you didn't raise your hand and you want to come, come on down now. Jesus went about preaching, teaching, and healing. And we believe the healing power of God will flow into your body as we lay hands upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus. The healing power of God will flow into your body as we lay hands upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for His healing power. Thank God for His healing anointing. Thank God for that healing anointing, that healing power. Thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. By His stripes we are healed. Isn't that what the Bible says? Amen. We know all sickness and disease is not from God. Amen. And we're going to stand with you in faith. We're going to lay hands on you. And the healing power of God is going to flow into your body in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I lay my hands upon them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I release the healing power of God from the top of His head to the bottom of His feet in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it now. Father, we thank you for the healing power of God that's flowing in Jesus' name. Lord, you said by your stripes that we are healed. Lord, we receive that, we believe that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the healing power of God flowing into his body right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus, the healing power of God has been imparted to you even now in the name of Jesus. Take it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's healing power is flowing into your body right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, receive the healing power of God from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. In the name of the Lord Jesus, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive that healing power right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Receive this healing power yes. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for it right now. 
Father, we thank you because you said in Jesus' name that you took our infirmities and you bear our sicknesses and diseases and by your stripes that we are healed. So I thank you the healing power of God is flowing through his body right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that anointing that's released and the healing power of God is being released into his body right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive your healing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you right now for that healing power of God. We release it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that by your stripes, Lord, that he is healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you right now for the healing power of God. And Father, I thank you for this healing power that's released Right now, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Father, I thank you for a change that will take place right away. Thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you because we stand in faith. Oh Lord, we release that healing power of God from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that it's affecting a healing and a cure right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for it, Father. Now, Father, I pray and I invoke and I speak a very special blessing over every individual under the sound of my voice. And Father, as we go our separate ways in this meeting, I thank you that we're joined together in the Spirit. And Father, I thank you that from this group that's right here tonight, there will arise mighty men and women of God that will take their place in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit of seeing and knowing on a level like the church may have never seen. And Father, we give you the glory for it in advance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I have preached myself happy. Woo! Makes me want to go and seek God. Isn't that right? Makes me want to follow after His Spirit. But we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed.